Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Miracles, Feeding Many, presented by Pastor Floyd Solba on August 28, 2016. Yay! Got so many friends and family, it's so exciting. Well, this morning... Um, kind of that time of year, right? Sports are kind of gearing up, even though they're sports pretty much year-round, but uh, I thought maybe we'd just play a little basketball this morning. What do you think, a little toss across or something? No, I'm kidding. Everybody's ready. Look at that. All right. This morning, uh, we're going to continue in our series through the Gospel of John. So if you would turn, to your, turn in your Bibles to, to chapter 5 and 6. We're going to kind of look at the end of the chapter 6, or chapter 5, excuse me, and then jump into the first uh, about 13, 14 verses of John chapter uh, 6. What do you guys see in my hand? It's a basketball, right? Pretty common to everybody. Simply just a basketball, right? Nothing really special about it. In fact, this one's a little marked up. You can tell it's been used a little bit. The interesting thing about this basketball is that by itself, it is just simply that. It's a basketball. It's an instrument that people use to play a game. But when you take this basketball and you put it in the right hands, such as that of a Michael Jordan, it becomes something greater. It becomes an NBA championship. The same can be said of of this golf club here. You know, it's kind of a funny little shaped instrument, a stick with kind of a, what we would call a head to it. It's kind of a little lopsided, but it's simply just an instrument, correct? Just a golf club. That's all it is. But you know what? In the right hands, not mine, of course, this golf club becomes a PGA championship. You know, the same can be said of a, of a paintbrush. It's simple in its fashion, Just a piece of wood, a little bit of maybe camel hair or however they make these. But it's simply just a paintbrush. But in the right hands, it becomes something so much greater, so much better. Would you agree with that? And there there are many instruments that, that we have, many instruments that we use on a daily basis that in themselves are pretty much meaningless, but when put in the right hands, they become extraordinary. They become something so much greater. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to offer you this. Before we get into the passages this morning, I want to offer you this. I want to offer you that, that you, every person in this room, you as an individual are an instrument. And not only are you an instrument, but you're an instrument that when placed in the right hands can do extraordinary things. See, most of us may have walked in this room this morning or live our lives throughout the week thinking that, well, you know what, I'm nobody special. I'm just ordinary Floyd. You know, sometimes we, in our small group, we do the little fun game where we add you know, a front, you know, fabulous Floyd or joyful Janice, you know, and I've heard of people say, well, I'm just ordinary There's not a a word that would describe me to make me sound better or cooler. 
But I want to tell you, I want to offer you this, that, that you are an instrument. And when you're placed and you put yourself in God's hands, that's when the ordinary becomes extraordinary. See, God will use you to do extraordinary things. And I tell you what, just like that paintbrush, just like these golf clubs, just like that little ball, there's not a whole lot to it until you add the key part to it. And that's God. See, because God wants to do some great things in and through you. See, what we have to do is commit ourselves into God's hands. We've got to be willing to allow God to use us the way he intended to use us. And that's up to us. That's up to you and I. We have to make that decision. If you look at the Gospel of John, chapter 5, the last couple of verses, it's kind of interesting how Jesus ends this right here. In verse 46, he says, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For, if he, wrote, for he wrote of me, but if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? See, what we see here is Jesus pointing to those that the people trusted, those of old, the prophets before you and I, those that God used, the instruments that God has used from the past. And we know from Scripture, we know from from the writings here that many of the people around Jesus, many of the Jews and even the Gentiles, look towards the Old Testament Scriptures and the prophets of old. And they trusted them. So Jesus asked this, this interesting questions. This question, he says, if you don't believe the writing of your ancestor Moses, how will you believe me? You know, if you would, turn in your Bible, slip over to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And there's a couple of key verses that will help us before we meet, read our main passages here in the Gospel of John. Because it is important that you and I believe. It's important that we understand that Jesus was the instrument that God used to bring us into unity with God. Because there was something that separated us from God and that that is one little tiny three-letter word and that is sin. And so God used his son Jesus. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, it'll be up here on the screens too, verse 15 It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. I want you to underline that word listen because that's an important part. We have to listen to the words of Jesus. And then in 18, 18, it says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth. And he he shall speak to them all that I command him. See, Moses is telling us to listen to this prophet. Listen to this man that God will send. And God himself is saying, I'm going to give him some words. And I want you to listen and do all that he commands you to do. That's an important part of being an instrument being used by God. One is that we have to put ourselves in the hands of God and we have to allow him to use us the way he intended, not in our own way. 
Well, I think in this passage this morning that we have, we have some excellent examples of what can happen and how we can be used by God in some huge ways. Even though we still think of ourselves as just ordinary people. Will you pray with me before we read our main passage? Father, we thank you for this glorious morning. We thank you that we get to sing your praises, Father. The words in the song that we, we sing, Father, come and resonate from our hearts, a passion and a desire to, to give you our affections and our desires and all that we have because you are worthy to be praised. Father, as we open up your word, Father, I pray that your voice would speak to us. Father, that we would listen clearly and we would listen intentively, attentively. Father, that we would have a heart and a desire to do and follow all of your commands for us. Father, we love you and we thank you for the great love you've given us. We pray that we would just be open-minded and open-hearted to the things that you'd have for us. We love you and we give it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, starting in verse 1 of chapter 6, let's read it together. Gospel of John, chapter 6, and we're going to read 1 through 14 together. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on, on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that, there, that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that had been done, they said, This indeed, the prophet who is to come into the world. You know, many of us may have read and listened and heard about this miracle. Um, if we've been in church um, <clears throat> growing up or, or um, throughout the years in Sunday school, this, this miracle. And a lot of times it's real easy to kind of just glance over and continue on and, and read more. But I, I think this miracle is probably one of the greatest miracles in all of the Bible. And that's just my opinion because what Jesus does here is more than just feed a few people. He does more than just feed 5,000. There's something that Jesus does here that, that could have an impact on your life and my life that could change us forever and help us to see and understand not only who this Jesus Christ is, but the things that he desires for us as his instruments, as his children, 
and how he wants to use us. See, but the first thing that we have to understand here is that, that Jesus knows our problems. He knows what's going on in our lives, in our hearts, and in everything that we do. Jesus understands it. He knows it before we present it. See, and not only does he know it, but he also has the solution. Do you ever think about that? So it's funny because people will come and, and it's usually, hey, boss, I got a problem here. I need your help with it. And we usually do that with Jesus, right? We come to Jesus and say, Jesus, hey, I've got a problem. This is what it is. Do you ever think that even before you come to Jesus and he's waiting for you to come to him, that he already knows that you have a problem, but he also has the solution for it? So we see here in these verses, verses four through six, it says, now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes, And seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread? See, Jesus asks him a question. And it's interesting because Jesus already knows the answer. Where do we buy bread so that these people can eat? And he said this simply to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. See, Jesus already knew he had the answer. He knew what he had in store for all of the disciples, for all of the people that had gathered around him. You know, some scholars estimate that it's actually probably about more like twenty to 25,000 people that Jesus fed that day. You know, they say 5,000 men and they usually take into account for, for women and children also. You know, this miracle that Jesus performed is something that, that just boggles my mind. It's amazing to think what Jesus was doing through a few loaves of bread and a few fish. But Jesus asks the question, He says, what are we to do? You ever think that that Jesus asks you questions? You know, we ask Jesus a lot of stuff. Hey, hey, can you help me? Will you do this for me? Will you show me the way here and there? But we, interestingly enough, we see in these miracles that Jesus asks us some questions. And he turns to Philip and he asks him this question. And unfortunately, just like you and I would do, Philip turns to the world for his solution. Right away in his mind, he says, hey, we don't have enough money. You know, we can't do this on our own. See, that's what happens a lot in our own lives is that we don't put it in God's hands. We don't trust the fact that, that Jesus already knows the question. He already has the answer and he already has the solution. See that, that ending that Jesus gave us there in chapter five. He says, if you don't believe all those that have come before you and shown you and live by example and have testified to all that I have done in the world today, how will you believe my words? See, we have to trust that God has the solution and we just have to put it in his hands. You know, as I was reading this passage, I, I started to think to myself, well, what's Jesus trying to do here? What's he trying to show us? What does he want us to see in this moment that he does this great miracle? I think what he's trying to tell us and show us is that, that again, that we just simply need to put all of our problems, all of our cares 
all of ourselves in his hands. And I know it sounds simple. I really do. I know that sounds like, well, Floyd, that's just, that's just too easy. You know, I've tried that before and it just really didn't seem to kind of work out for me. But I think there was some missing elements. If we've tried it before and it didn't work, I want to tell you, don't give up. Keep doing it. See, it's because we have to trust and know that Jesus can take a little and turn it into a lot. See, that's an important part of our understanding of Jesus and who he is, is that he can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. And I think sometimes we don't trust him in that way. I think sometimes because of our own fears or our own anxieties or our own uh, pride or whatever it is, we don't see it that way. But God's word tells us otherwise. His word tells us otherwise. Listen to what it says here in verses 7 through 9. It says, Philip answered him. Again, he says, I don't have enough money. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for, for each of them to get a little. And then another disciple, Andrew, comes to him and says, Hey, there's this boy. He has five loaves and two fish. So when you hear that, what are you picturing? I know many of you guys are fishermen, so you're probably picturing, picturing that big catch, right? Five big old fish, you know, that 20-incher that got away, you know, that 20-incher that turned into like a 30-incher by the time, you know, you got home. You know, we have to understand that these loaves were probably just small pieces of cracker. It wasn't a loaf of bread. It was five little pieces of cracker. And also on the fish side of it, it was most likely just little tiny sardines that had been pickled and preserved. See, that's not a whole lot, is it? It's not a whole lot. But look what Jesus does. He takes a little and he makes a lot. And here it is, right in this moment. Do you see it? It's a moment of faith. Right here, these men, these disciples, all the people that gather around, right here in this moment, it's a moment of faith and trusting in God and saying, God, can you really do this? Will you really feed all of these people? And then enters this little boy, which I think is kind of cool. I think it's kind of cool how he uses this little boy. And he has five loaves of barley and five little fish. And he takes a little and he makes it a lot. You know, I remember <clears throat> Janice and I, when, when we were first married, we've been married for just over 25 years now. And uh, we were young kids when we got married. When we told our family we were going to get married, um, they kind of looked at us you know, a little crooked and said, really? <laughs> you think so? <laughs> and uh, so we, we really didn't know what we were doing. I'll be honest with you. We had no clue. Um, we didn't have a whole lot. We both had a twin bed and a dresser and a car, and that was it. She worked part-time. She was in school um, the other half-time, full-time pretty much at, at UNM, and then worked part-time. And then I was a retail guy, um, not making a whole lot. I think back then I made about $6 an hour as a department manager uh, for one of the stores I was at. She made like 335 back then. So it's been a while. Teenagers, 335, yeah, that was minimum wage back then. <laughs> Sorry about it. <laughs> Don't complain, okay? <laughs> uh, but I, I remember thinking about those, those first years of our marriage and how God 
used so little that we had and he turned it in so much. And I know in the moments, Janice and I, we didn't think about that. You know, we lived off of hamburger helper and ramen noodles. I kid you not. You know, that, that was our meal every single night was hamburger helper because we could get it like four boxes for like a dollar, you know, and, and ramen noodle was like 20 packs for like a dollar. It was crazy how cheap it was. And we lived off of that as a, as a married couple and as, a newlywed, as newlyweds. And I remember there was times when you know, we were just trying to figure out how it was all going to work. And we would look at our finances and we really didn't know what we were doing. So it wasn't anything fancy. You know, we didn't have an Excel spreadsheet that we pulled up every day and looked at it, you know. We just basically got out a piece of paper and said, okay, you made 20 bucks, I made $30, and our bills are $100. What are we going to do? And we honestly didn't know. And so I took on a couple of little extra jobs and, and did some things to kind of help. But the one thing that, that I look back on and as I think about those first few years of our marriage is that, that God took the little bit that we had and he turned it into a lot. Because if I think back about the, on those days, I realized that we ate every single day. And I, I actually liked Hamburger Helper. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I still do. <laughs> I can't get her to make it for me anymore, but <laughs> she got burnt out, I think. You know? I like hamburger helper. I like ramen noodles. You know? But think about how God provides, how he takes care of you. See, because I think sometimes we lose sight of the little things and how in those little things that God turns them into these big, great, and wonderful things. And unfortunately, it usually takes a few years down the road for us to turn around and look and say, oh, Wow. Look what God did. Look how he carried me from that point to this point. But unfortunately, and this is, I think, something that we're all guilty of, that I know I need to get better at, is that we should look at that and say, you know what? If he took care of me yesterday, he's going to take care of me today. Because the Bible, the words of God says, he will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus himself said, I will be with you to the end of the age. I will leave my spirit to comfort you and to hold you and to keep you and to help you in every single way. See, as we grow in our faith, we have to understand we're going to face moments in life that will challenge our faith. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. That's why the Bible tells us to, to consider it joy when we face moments of persecution when there's trials in our lives because our, is being, our, excuse me, our faith is being tested and he's giving us perseverance. He's strengthening us. He's helping to understand that he'll take a little and make it a lot. See, he'll take our little and make it bigger than we could ever imagine. You know, he proved it through other people. I gotta imagine there's probably someone in your life right now that has a testimony of their faith. Someone in your life right now that has shared with you about how God has done miracles in their life. See, take those testimonies. Think about them for your own life and know God wants to do the same in you and through you. He wants to use those tough moments so others may know him, so others may grow in their faith and so that you, you may grow in your faith. See, because again, He's going to take that ordinary and make it extraordinary. 
we have to ask ourselves, will we believe the testimonies, the miracles that, have, that others have experienced in Christ? Will we listen to the words of Moses and trust that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you and I? Well, I think this next piece is the most important piece. Next to Jesus. This is the next important piece, is that we have to do our part. We can't just sit idle. We have to do our part in this. Verses 9 through 12 says, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves, two fish, but what are they for so many? It's in the place. Jesus said, have the, people, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and about 5,000 in number, tons of people. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. That last little piece there is is an important part that I think we should think about because we have to understand it. I love it this morning as we are gathering um, to pray before the service. Jeff reminded every one of our our individuals that serves, gets up early in the morning and helps prepare for the service, reminded of them how important each person is. How if we do our part, that everything works so much better. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here in this story that he's telling us. See, everyone has a role. Everyone has a part from the little boy to Philip to the men, the disciples that gathered the leftover. See, because Jesus didn't want anything or anyone to be lost. Do you hear that? See, we do our part to help Jesus to ensure that no one is lost. I love that. I I love that. I think that's so cool. See, gathering the fish was important. Feeding the people was important to Jesus. But more important to Jesus was that they weren't lost. That they knew who he was, that they believed in the Son of God. Not so they could have food, but so they could have eternal life. See, we do our part. We use the gifts, the resources, the tools that God has given us so that others can know of Jesus Christ, so that others can come to a personal, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning. I want to ask you, what's your part? What do you have that God has given you that he wants you to use? What is it? I want to encourage you, whatever that is, whatever just popped in your head, I want to encourage you, don't look at it as not enough. Don't look at it as too little. Finances, whether you do your part, you use what God has given you, whether it be finances, whether it be your time, whether it be your compassion, your love, whether it be a skill set that you have to fix something or do something, whatever it is, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all knowing that you will glorify God as you do that by doing your part. I want to challenge you not to think that what you have is insignificant. A lot of times, especially teenagers, kids, you know, students, I'm talking to you right now. 
You know, a lot of times you think in your mind, I'm, I'm too young. I can't do this. But I want to tell you what, with God, all things are possible. I love Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. You had a chance, read through it. Listen to the things that, the, the interaction that he has with God and, and the voice of God and what he tells him. At the very beginning of Jeremiah, he comes to Jeremiah and he calls him and he says, Jeremiah, I want to use you to do great things in this world. Even to the degree where I'm going to have you and use you to raise up nations, lift up nations, not just a couple people, but nations. And I'm also going to use you to tear down nations. You know, God was sending Jeremiah into the battle. But Jeremiah just thought he was an ordinary kid. And he says to God, he says, God, you know what? I'm not old enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I got to imagine many things went through Jeremiah's mind. And God tells him, don't you dare say that. He says, because I, the Lord your God, am going to use you. I want to tell you this morning, whatever you have, God is saying the same thing to you right now. He says, I am the Lord your God and I will use you. You have to do your part. You have to be willing to give what God has given you for his glory. Well, that brings us to our last point as we close this morning. And it's simply this, is that we have to give all that we have and we have to trust him with everything. We have to give all that we have and we have to trust him with everything. And again, I know that sometimes this stuff sounds so simplistic. Well, that's, already what I do, Floyd. I I give him everything, you know. I I, I trust him with everything. But I want to challenge us this morning. I want to challenge us as as God's people, as God's children, as as a family. Do we really trust him with everything? I want us to really ask that question to ourselves. And I'll tell you what, I ask that question to myself on a daily basis. And I'll tell you, my answer typically, usually, starts out as a yes and then turns into, well, maybe not that. Or maybe not this. Yeah, sometimes with this and sometimes with that. But as we grow in our faith, God wants us to trust him with everything. I want you to go down a few more verses to verse 26 and through 29 in John chapter 6. So all this was going on. He had just fed all the thousands. I want you to listen to what Jesus says here in verse 26. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to do the work of God? What must we do to do the work of God? And Jesus in his answer, he says this. He says, this is the work of God that you believe Underline and circle that word. That you believe in him with everything. Believe in him 
with all that you have. Trust him. See, that's the work of God. For us to believe in him. And I think that's an important statement that you and I have to understand because that's where it begins for us in our faith journey. That's where it all starts, is that every morning when we wake up, if we're truly going to trust him, if we're truly going to give him everything that we have, we first and foremost have to believe in him who God has sent us. The instrument that God used on a cross. The man, every person, God the Son, that died for each and every person that walks this earth. I want to ask you this morning, do you believe that? Do you believe in him? See, what happens here, what we see in in God's word is that God loved us so much that he gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He died on a cross. And there was a significance to that death because that death paid a wage. It paid a price that you and I could never pay for ourselves. See, it paid a price for our sin. See, and sin is just active rebellion against the will of God, against the commands of God, the things that God desires for our our lives. It's us putting ourselves in in the world's hands and not in God's hands. And see, that's sinful. And every one of us in this room has done that. And so God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that you and I would believe, so that you and I would trust, and so that you and I would give all of ourselves to him, everything that we have. And he did it for one simple fact. It's because he loves you. It's because he loves me. I hope you know that this morning. I hope you believe that this morning. And if you don't, I just want to challenge you. I just ask him. Ask him a question. Seek him. Look after him. Discover who he is. And I promise you that he'll show you. And he'll do some great miracles in your life. He'll help you to understand who he is. See, because Jesus was God's instrument. Look what it says in John 640. A few more verses down. He says, I did all of this, all of these miracles and all the things that I'm going to do. I did it for this very reason. For this is the will of my Father. I am putting myself in God's hands. Jesus the Son is putting himself in God's hands that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on that last day. Will you pray with me? I want to ask you this morning, as we pray, and honestly, this is is probably something that Jesus is asking you right now. Jesus wants to know. He wants to know, will you commit yourself to him? I I believe that right now. I I pray that God is, is speaking to you through his spirit. And he's asking you, will you commit yourself to me? I just want to ask you to do this as we, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, 
I want you to do this. I want you to bring whatever you have. And I want you to commit it to him. I want you to just lay it at the foot of the cross. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 31.5. He says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. I want to ask you this morning, put yourself in God's hands. Commit yourself to him. Trust him in all your ways. Lean not on your own understanding. Father, we we come into your presence and we give you glory. We thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the grace, the mercy, and all that you've done to bring us to this place, to this point. Father, we thank you for your words. We know that you gave us these scriptures. We know that you gave us your word through men of old, through men today. And as we proclaim the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ. Father, as we share your love with the world around us, Father, give us strength. Remind us and help us as we live lives, as we put ourselves in your hands and as we trust you for all that you will do in our lives, in us and through us, Father. Lord, we desperately, desperately need you. Father, if there's anyone here this morning that is ready to commit themselves to you, Father, I pray for them. I pray that your hand would just continue to be upon them, that you would hold them and you would comfort them as they walk away from here this morning, that that you would use others around them to help them on this path, on this journey that you've set them upon. Lord, together as the body of Christ, as a family, that we would go together united in the precious name of Jesus Christ, encouraging one another, lifting each other up, considering each other's needs greater than our own needs, and helping each other as we grow in our faith, as we trust you more. Father, I just thank you so much. I give you praise and I thank you. Lord, as we sing this last song to you, know that it's from our hearts that we want to give you our love and our affections in every way. Father, we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio, and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.